Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, I'm Greta Johnson, and this is the Nerdette Book Club. It's just like a regular book club, except you don't have to share the amazing snacks that you made. Our November book is V.E. Schwab's The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. It is briefly, I'm going to try this, about a woman who chooses freedom over obligation. She decides she'd rather live forever than be stuck in one place, no matter what the repercussions are. And the repercussions are pretty heavy. Um, This book has been on the bestseller list since it came out in early October. NPR said it's a bit cheeky to call The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue Faust for romantic bisexual goths, but it's not wrong. I thought that was a pretty great way of kind of summing it up. Um, This is the episode where we are going to discuss all the nooks and crannies of this book. If you haven't read it yet and you are terrified of spoilers, start with the spoiler-free author interview that's already in the feed. If you haven't read the book and you're like, I love spoilers as much as I love soy milk, welcome. We are glad to have you. Uh, Joining me today to talk about it are two delightful humans. Eva Racinos is an arts and culture journalist and nonfiction writer based in Los Angeles. Eva, hey. Thank you so much for having me. And I love soy milk. I just thought (laughs) I'd let you know. (laughs) Well, perfect. Do you love spoilers too, or are you terrified of them if you haven't read a book yet? Um, You know, I think it depends. But today I'm not afraid of them because I read the book, so I'm excited. Awesome. So, Eva, you and I met doing this, like, digital book club thing back in the early pandemic days of May. We talked about Eleanor Oliphant. Does that not feel like a gazillion years ago? It feels like forever ago. And I was also in a different apartment. So it really feels like a long time ago. I don't know who that person was. I don't know her. Our other panelist today is Liberty Hardy. She's a senior contributing editor for Book Riot and the host of the All the Books podcast. Liberty, do you feel like you have to yell all the books every time you say it because of the exclamation point? Pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) Plus, I'm just excited about all the books all the time. So it fits. All the time. So yeah. You sent over a bio and you said that you read between five and six hundred books a year. Is that true? That is true. So I don't really do much else. So <laughs> that is a fair clarification, I think. So we're like at the end of November. How many have you read so far in 2020? I It's been kind of a tough year in case you hadn't heard. Uh-huh. Um, so I just passed 500. Oh, but that's insane. I think I can fit in like another 30 or 40 before the end of the year. Good Lord. I'm at, I'm like about to hit 90, which is the most I've done in a couple of years. I'm feeling pretty good about it. But like 500. Yeah. Good God. You should feel good about it. I read like it's unhealthy. I don't sleep. You know, I'm going to die very soon. I will die well read, but I'm going to die soon. It's just, you know. <laughs> Um, So I'm curious, this is Victoria, also known as V.E. Schwab's 17th book. She is like, (laughs) as much as you are reading Liberty, this young woman is writing. Um, I'm curious if either of you had read her before you came across Addie LaRue. Eva? I actually hadn't, which is funny because I listened to your interview 
and she said she was wondering about readers who would encounter her mm-hmm. through this book mm-hmm. first because she felt like it was very different and it was a lot more written in the quote-unquote literary vein than her other books so I thought that was super interesting and it made me want to read another one of her books but this was my first introduction to her and I did feel like sometimes I wanted to know what was going to happen next so I would sometimes read the dialogue and then I would go back and read the descriptions which I know is bad (laughs) but I did feel like I wanted to relish it but then I wanted to know what was going to happen. It's so funny because I am also a person who skips to the dialogue when I'm feeling really intense about things and it often doesn't do what I want it to. No rarely. I think it might help. Liberty what about you have you read any Victoria before? This was actually only my second of her books. I have I think almost every book that she's written and I keep saving them for like when I need something special (laughs) and instead I've not read them yet. Uh, I read the first in her her newish middle grade series about the um, ghost hunter reality show in Scotland which is really cool. Oh I haven't read that Which I think is being a TV series and the third one comes out next year. Um, But this was actually my first like adult Novel. That's exciting. I love her very much. I haven't read all of her stuff, but I've read, I don't know, probably seven or eight of them. And there are just so many and they're all so different, but they're always great. And so it's just like, I feel like she's one of those authors. If you just trust her to like take you on a wild ride, you're good to go, you know? Yeah. Um, so throughout this conversation, we are also going to hear from you, dear listener. Uh, it was really fun to get voicemails for this one, partly just because I feel like everybody just loved this fucking book. Uh, We actually even, Justin, our producer, made this montage and we decided to just call it the gushy montage because that's exactly what happens. Let's take a listen. Hi, Nerdette. This is Martha calling from the Great White North in Calgary, Canada. This is Jamie Hall from Chicago. Hi, my name is Catherine McElroy and I'm from Austin, Texas. Hey, Nerdette. It's Allie from Chicago and... I think I have my new favorite book. All I can say is my heart can't decide if it wants to cry or if it's really happy. It felt both like time travel and like regular travel. And since I've been stuck in my house for 10 months. It's so hard to articulate how amazing this book was. It just, the last few pages, I kept having to stop and take my glasses off because I was just bawling my head off. And I can't wait to read it again once it sat on my shelf for a little bit. I'm just grateful I got a chance to read it and I'm so grateful for Nerdette because lately you've been turning me on to some really great reading and it's keeping me away from the internet. So yeah, overall uh, six out of five. I wish that (laughs) there was another tier of amazingness that I could put this into. Yes, thanks for the pick. Love Nerdette always. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Bye. Thanks. So much love for this book. It's delightful. Um, So I definitely want to talk to each of you about some of the bigger themes, because I think there are a lot of really beautiful ones in this one. Um, I'm also, of course, curious what you thought in general, but I would love to start with structure first and then plot, because I think the structure of this one is pretty important. And I'm curious if y'all if y'all thought it worked. Um, I kind of talked a little bit at the top about what this book is about. I think we can elaborate at least a little more. Um, By the time we meet Addie in the beginning, she's living in New York City She is 300 years old. Um, It's clear no one remembers her ever. So her life is essentially cobbled together through like theft and home invasion, I guess you could kind of say. Um, And and it goes back and forth in time. So then we're jumping from that current day to when she grew up in France 300 years ago in this little village and 
She like there was this witch lady who she was kind of friends with who taught her about the old gods. And I mean, eventually, how old is she? Do you all remember? She's like 19, maybe when she is going to be married. Out? 23. A I little think. older than 23. OK, another prime number. So she's 23. She's about to be married off. It's like the last thing in her life that she wants because she's always had this like lust for stories and this thirst for new experiences. Um, and and it, you know, she ends up selling her soul to this dude named Luke who tells her she can have freedom. She can live forever. She can do whatever she wants. And the the trick of it is no one will ever remember her. And that's like essentially the premise that we're working with here. Um, when it comes to the jumping back and forth, I'm going to start with you, Eva, since you mentioned skipping ahead to the dialogue. Um, what did, did it work for you? Sometimes I was a little frustrated with the jumping back and forth because, like, I was super interested in the New York stuff and less interested in the backstory stuff. Yeah, I felt that more at the beginning because I felt maybe just mm-hmm. like I could ground myself more easily in the New York part. And I was interested in figuring out because at that point we don't really know how the curse totally works so I was interested in figuring out what she was going to do next and mostly you know who she was going to meet how she was going to get them to try how she was going to try to get them to remember her or not that was interesting and sometimes yeah it did take me out of the action but I think once we can kind of envision her hometown a little bit more and the stakes are higher in that story then I kind of got more into it. And I agree actually with one of the voicemails about it being a good read because of how much you are able to travel Mm. just through her traveling. Mm. And I wanted to be like, where is she going next? Can she go somewhere else? Like I want her to go everywhere. (laughs) And I thought that was, that was definitely a lot of fun. So I think once you get used to the switch, it's not so confusing. Well, and I I think you're right that like the figuring things out as you go aspect of this book is super rewarding because you don't know right off the bat, like, oh, no one remembers her. That's why she can just steal the clothes from the, at the fancy boutique or whatever, you know, like I do think that's, it's, it's very engaging in that sense for sure. What did you think, Liberty? I enjoyed the back and forth. I think, it probably could have worked like a straightforward with like a couple of like reveals that went back in time too. But mm. I really, I mean, there were so many little stories that she was telling about Addie's life and the things that she's done. I really enjoyed mm-hmm. seeing them all in, in different places. It's funny because I read this back in April and then mm. I reread it a couple of weeks ago for the show. And in my mind, I thought that Henry didn't show up until much farther into the book. <laughs> for some reason, I was like, we got all these stories and then Henry. And I was like, oh, no, he's right there from like almost the beginning. I mean, I thought that was really interesting that, you know, he made a big impression on me like at the end, like it was this big dramatic thing. But actually, he was there almost the whole time. That is really interesting. So, yeah, we haven't mentioned Henry yet. He is the guy. He's the first person to recognize her in 300 years. He actually remembers her. And I like that was a huge plot pivot. And it's funny hearing the woman talking about having to take off her glasses because she was crying so much as she was reading the end. The end didn't get me as much as that pivot point got me. Like, I remember distinctly I was driving in my car. Henry's pissed at her because she stole a book, an ancient Greek edition of the Odyssey, right, from the bookstore. And then she tries to return it the next day and says it's a gift, which is a thing she normally could have gotten away with because no one remembers her except he does. And it's and he's pissed at her. But it's just like this beautiful, 
I don't know. I mean, that idea of just finally being seen, being recognized for the first time in so long is just gorgeous. It was really it was really powerful. Um, One of the things I do uh, because I review books is I if I hear about a book and I think it's going to be amazing, I don't read the description. So, yes, like just reading about this guy that she encountered in the bookstore and then her going back the next day and not knowing like, oh, this is going to be a guy who remembers her from the description. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, Oh, it was so powerful when he's like, I know you, you were here yesterday and you took that book and don't try and lie about it. It was a real surprise. It was. It's funny because I, so when I had interviewed Victoria like four years ago, she was already working on Addie LaRue, had been for a while and essentially set that much up as a premise. Like, sells her soul to the devil, can't be remembered except this one guy. So I knew that happened. But the fact that he had also sold his soul to the devil did completely blow my mind. And maybe it shouldn't have because there are hints of that leading up to it also. But I didn't pick up on any of those reveals. Did you, Eva? I sort of did. I don't know. It was very back and forth. I think I thought about it really briefly and then said, no, that can't be possible. And then talking about skipping ahead to the some of the dialogue... I think the page before, I was like, oh, I know what he's going to say. <laughs> so it was right when we, it was right <laughs> when we got there. But I remember there was a scene in the kitchen where she says something, she alludes to the ring or she drops the ring. And then she says something like, do you wish mm. you had something that you never owned or something? The ring, which is like a symbol of her, the pact she's made. Yes. With the, with and the, the ring that calls over Luke whenever she puts it on. It was funny. I saw a friend uh she was probably like a weekend reading it. i think she was about a third of the way through it at that point and i was still reading it but like much farther along and it was so funny because she was like well and all of these weird things are happening with henry where like people's eyes are glazing over and he's really disappointed and how they like him so much and i'm not quite sure and i was just like damn you read this so much more closely than i did <laughs> One thing I did think that was really fun about about both uh, Addie and Henry as sort of main characters is that they're both like casually bi and the fact that Addie has a lot of sex, but it's like not a big deal. I just thought it was kind of great. I thought that was so nice and so refreshing, yeah. to be honest. It just, yeah, it wasn't a big deal and it just kind of seemed like it just happened and then that was it. We don't have to have this whole explainer. Right. It's just like you like who you like. Why? What is the big deal about that? You know? So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, beyond beyond that main pivot, what are some of the bigger moments that you think made this story as as impactful as it turned out to be? Liberty, what do you think? Um, of course, the the part where we find out that she's had a relationship with Luke. You know, you're yes. like, oh, um, <laughs> of course she did. Because everyone, even though she doesn't have the, the charm on her that makes everyone think she's great, like, she's, everyone just seems to think she's pretty great or remember her in some way anyway when they see her. You know, they think she's beautiful and, you know. And so, of course, like, this sort of shadow devil guy, you know, is in love with her. But also because, probably because she's the only one who keeps standing up to him and, you know, saying like, nah, not yet. Nah, yeah, you know, because yeah. it, and he tells he doesn't tell her in the woods that day that she's going to live forever. And he doesn't tell her that people are going to forget her. He just says, right. He just says, you have your freedom. You you're have welcome. your freedom until you're done with it. And then it's mine, you know. Mm-hmm. So 
um, he's he's pretty impressed by her, I think. Yeah, I will say this is a very fun book to it. Like I had a friend who was curious about it, but didn't care about spoilers. And it was very fun to be like, and then she fucks the devil. <laughs> <laughs> like you do. Because, <laughs> you know, when you reduce it to plot, it is extremely soapy, you know? It is. Yeah. <laughs> I... My wheels are always turning, so when we first meet Henry and he remembers her, I actually thought it was another like thing that Luke had thrown at her to kind oh, of like trip her sure, up. Sure. I thought he was going to like turn out to be like his puppet or something. Well, I mean, he kind of is, but you know, the only reason he remembered her was because Luke was making him. Well, and did either of you think about Fleabag? I think that's partly why it affected me as much as it did. Are you all familiar with that yeah. show on Amazon Prime? I haven't watched it. Oh. It's on my list. Well, I won't get into it too much then, Eva, because I don't want to re- ruin it for you. But just it's just that, like, the thing of just being seen and, like, the relief and confusion and fear and, like, all of those things that happen. I just thought, I just thought that Victoria did a great job with that in this book. Um so as I mentioned, the reason we know the reason Henry is able to see Addie is because he has also sold his soul to the devil. Um, and as a result, we learn that he doesn't have long to live. Essentially, let's see, how do we explain Henry? Can I put you on the spot, Liberty, and have you do it? Um, he was uh, very dissatisfied in his life and with the way everything was going with his career and his fiance dumped him and he was just feeling really down about everything. And the devil's like, hey. You want to try something else? Basically, is is what happened. Oh, and you so, did it so beautifully. He makes a deal, <laughs> and so uh, whenever people look at him, they don't necessarily—it's not like a love spell—but they see what they want in him. So, like, he applies for a job, and they're like, "You're the person that we need." And he's mm-hmm. like, he's like testing them. He's like, "No, uh, I'm bad because I don't believe in any of the stuff that I'm going to be teaching." And, and they're like, "That's great. We love dissent, and yep, you know." Totally. And then when his best friend, who is a lesbian, she's not in love with him, but she just thinks he's like the greatest friend ever. And then. You know, everyone like people meet him in coffee shops and they're like, oh, he's so cute and handsome. And he's like, you don't even know me. So he's cursed to be admired and adored everywhere he goes, but only for a year. But only for a year. And part of it comes from the fact that like he just feels everything too much. Yeah. I he's think very sensitive. Important to highlight, too, because I think that's yeah, he's just like he's got he's got one of those tender little hearts, you know, that just feels like that can't barely even process all of the feelings that are happening which I think a lot of us can relate to at least on some level of like minor instances but you could see how if if things were if emotions were that heightened all the time it would be really hard to move through the world you know and so to have things just be that much simpler where he's just accepted like I get it but it also like doesn't it doesn't solve the problem for him at all yeah no one's going to hurt him right Eva what did you think of Henry I thought that was interesting because then when they do meet, he's sort of looking at Addie. At first, you don't know about the curse, so she kind of describes how he makes really intense eye contact with her, but you realize later Mm -hmm. it's because he's looking to see if she's under that sort of spell. Mm -hmm. And she's not, so I think that's, in a way, he's also seen by her. Yes, yeah. But I think that what was confusing was that at one point Luke does hint do you think you guys ran into each other by accident? LOL. I definitely wanted that to happen. (laughs) And I'm not sure I was totally clear on why by the end of it, besides he just likes to play games, I guess. But there's this kind of suggestion that 
you know, he wanted her to figure out the humans suck and then stay with him for the rest of eternity, I guess. I don't know what you thought, Liberty. Oh, yeah, there's there's a bazillion people on the planet. I just don't believe that she accidentally ran into the other one who happened to have made a deal with Luke. I mean, it could happen, but I don't believe it was really an accident. Well, I guess it does present the question of, like, does this mean she's the first person, he is the first person she's ever met who also has sold his soul to the devil? Because there is a thread throughout the book, right, where you learn about other people who maybe have also sold their souls to Luke in order to, it's usually for talent of some kind, some sort of, like, creative talent. Um, But I guess this means this is the first time she's actually run into one of them, huh? Yes, or that she's spoken to. Maybe she passed them on the street. Who knows? Sure, sure. Yeah, Shared yeah, yeah. a cab. Who knows? <laughs> so in some ways, this is sort of like an epic literary love story. I think a lot of people, I mean, it's it, it's set up t- so that you think that, that Addie and Henry are going to end up together in the end. Um, I want to listen to a voicemail about that from Ava, and then we'll talk about it. Hey, Nerdette. This is Ava from Peoria, Illinois, and I am calling about the invisible life of Addie LaRue. I really just loved this beautiful book. I think the like twists, I don't even really want to call them twists, but the twists of the book were fairly predictable, but I don't think they were supposed to be something you didn't see coming. I thought the uh, beauty of the book and part of what I loved about it was watching everything come together where you knew, when you knew where it was going and it probably wasn't going to end well for anyone or everyone involved, but you knew the end, and it was a fun journey. And the ending, oh, the ending, when she was in the bookshop and heard someone asking for her book, uh, I just lost it. It made me think of the Doctor Who scene, where the Doctor takes uh, Van Gogh to the art gallery, and here's what people are saying about his work. And I cry every single time I see that episode, (laughs) and I think I'm going to cry every time I hit the end of this book when she hears someone mentions her name. It was just beautiful, and I really loved it. Thank you. I just think that's adorable. Um, I don't know. What did y'all think? Like, were you, Eva, were you surprised by how the story turned out? I guess I wasn't entirely surprised. I also think it's interesting that she basically hints that she doesn't entirely love Henry, which part right. of my, you know, right. my heart broke a little bit for him. But she she kind mm. of brings that up once in a while. So I thought, well, even if they did get as much time as they wanted, how would their relationship end up? So I kind of thought, I don't know that it's going to be a happy ending. And then I also didn't really predict the way that Luke was going to be so possessive of her. I guess once we hit the part of, oh, they're a thing, maybe I can kind of see that coming. But... I don't know. I wasn't that sad at the end. I was more I was more unnerved by him, right? Because he's with her in the bookstore. Like, oh, how cute. Right. The- he's like, yeah, he's, you know, he's like, oh, how cute that there's a book about you. Anyway, let's go. And she, you know, she's in her head thinking, I'm going to keep playing this game with him. But at the end, I'm like, I don't know if that's going to work out for you, Addie. You? I, whatever you mm. say, but that seems very dangerous. Yeah, that yeah. So to fill in some of the blanks, which I probably should have done before that voicemail. So like we find out so Henry has a limited time to live. And what ends up happening is that like Addie trades herself for Henry's life. She's like, if Henry can live, I will finally tell you that I want to be with you, devil guy. And and that's kind of where 
things. I mean, so from there, Henry can live. He writes a book that is Addie's story, which is, you know, has a lot of symbolic value since Addie couldn't even write because then she would be remembered. So this is like, you know, in gray is it's like essentially rendering her real to a certain extent, I think. Um, but Addie can't see him. And she's stuck with the devil and she like sees the book in the bookstore and she kind of smiles to herself. And that's kind of the end. Um, What did you think, Liberty? Did it work? Were you surprised that she and Henry didn't end up together? No, I'm actually glad that they didn't end up together. Me too. (laughs) Because, I mean, and if if they had, I would have wanted it to be like in a really great way because I was really, I was worried that she was going to trick the devil somehow and... You know, get to stay with Henry and Henry gets to live forever or whatever. Happily ever after forever. And that's not how life works. You know, and now, and she's kind of like, okay, this is how things are right now, but eventually I'm going to trick him, you know, or, or beat him at his game or something. And then maybe she gets back together with Henry. Um, I'm actually, I was kind of on Team Sam, the painter that lived in the building that oh, she was in. Yeah. I was yeah. like, I would have liked them to end up together. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been fun. Yeah, I was like, I was attracted to Sam. So, you know, I was kind of (laughs) biased. It is interesting. I don't know. Like, I understand the, like, meeting someone and there's a spark immediately and it's like hot, hot heat. And, you know, especially the fact that Addie has no home. So, of course, she's going to move into Henry's place. But I think especially, like, given her inherent impermanence and his inherent fragility I, immediately I was kind of like this feels codependent and I'm not sure I like it <laughs> you know it just felt yeah. a bit worrisome yeah so she just did a nice thing for him <laughs> she did do a nice thing for him exactly we got a couple <laughs> other voicemails um about the ending oh and we actually got an email from Andy in New York I thought what Andy had to say was pretty interesting she said the only thing that made me wish for something different was the ending I was so sad to see that Addie didn't make a deal with a caveat so that she could end up with Henry. But then I thought about it more and more, and this feels like the right ending. Uh Uh-oh, page break, sorry. Even if it's not what I've come to expect from books, like a happy lovey-dovey ending. But yeah, I think think you're right that, like, it's so refreshing to not have that in a lot of ways, you know? Like, to kind of subvert that and still have it interesting, I think, is pretty impressive. Um, Let's listen to another voicemail. This is Allie in Chicago. I really loved Addie LaRue, um, but I think my one, I guess you could call it a quibble with it, would be the downplaying of Addie and Henry's relationship at the end. I wasn't sure if Addie is supposed to not be able to love like a normal human anymore, since she's not, or if uh, perhaps she just kind of doesn't know a good relationship when she sees it. I think that absolutely contentment wins over passion, especially in the long run. And the ending made me wonder a little bit if to be smart and cunning and strong and survive, if you have to kind of kill off the dreamer in yourself, which feels kind of heavy, uh, but I think that's kind of what Addie did. So thank you for introducing me to one of my favorite authors. All right. Bye. I'm curious. I think especially that 
the the dreamer question is a really interesting one. How much did you think about that as you were reading it, Eva? So do you think that Ali is saying like, in order to have a comfy relationship, you can't travel the world kind of thing? I think Ali is concerned that as a dreamer, and I'm projecting onto her a little bit, but I know Ali, so I think it'll be okay. I think Ali <laughs> is concerned that as a dreamer, she's just read a book that kind of gives you the lesson, if you look at Addie's trajectory, that it you can start as a dreamer, but if you really want to get what you want, mm. you have to give some of that up to to be willing to, you know, be cunning and and yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting when, you know, they do start dating and are in a relationship. Henry kind of becomes this moral compass, too. Mm-hmm. Like he starts saying, you know, you can't dine and dash or you can't just steal things. Right. And she says it doesn't matter. And he says it's still wrong. And that to me feels very like she's already set in her ways. Mm-hmm. And so that was their one fight that they had. But would there have been fights later on? Because Henry's, you know, the the more grounded kind of moral person. And she just kind of wants to do her own thing. And a lot of the times, too, there's that idea that maybe that's because she's not even really human anymore. Yes. After having lived for so long and after just casually hanging out with the devil every year or so, <laughs> that's not really <laughs> a routine thing. So I definitely think that was an interesting point and I don't know I'm thinking more about what you said about codependency I mean I think there is at one point a fine line between the excitement of their relationship and then Henry starting to withdraw from a lot of things Mm -hmm. like he closes the shop when the shop isn't supposed to be closed Mm -hmm. he's willing to leave the party where his friends are at and it was hard to know what was excitement and what was like oh he's gonna fall really really hard into this Yes, I think those are really good examples of things that and I I understand it from the point of view of like, here's Addie, she's completely untethered. And if he wants to spend time with her, then he needs to untether a little too. But it just felt like it swung a little too far in one direction, you know? And like, no offense to Henry, I'm sure he was a great guy. But if you think about it, like, if you're Addie, there are plenty of fish in the sea, especially uh, when you're immortal. You know, when you live forever. So she might meet somebody else. And so she actually, she didn't even have to do what she did for him. Um, So that was just like a really nice gesture on her part. But I think she kind of thought like he might have held her back. And when you're immortal, Mm. then you have to think about that whole thing, like the whole vampire syndrome where like everybody else gets older and you don't. And, you know, what happens when you have to lose them? And so... You know, maybe she wasn't meant to, like, end up with Henry, but she just did this really nice thing for him. Yeah, I think that's a nice way of putting it. And, you know, something you said, Eva, makes me think that, like, maybe the consolation for Allie is just that, like, actually the thing that, like, makes you lose your dreamerness and become kind of cunning is just living forever, which luckily none of us has to deal with anyway. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So we've also Liberty, what you said reminded me that I don't know if people will love this, but I got some Twilight vibes going back to the vampire thing because I was thinking, you know, Edward has lived forever and then decides that Bella, a high schooler, is the interesting one out of all this time that he's met people. And I thought that was very interesting. Like just thinking about, yeah, if you're immortal, what is it? What is it that makes you decide? What is a commensurate maturity level for you? Yeah. (laughs) 
what is the what is the bar here? I'm so excited that you said that because one of the things I was going to ask you is I got interview with the vampire vibes from this, like Louis and Lestat. Absolutely. And so there's definitely like the I guess vampirism vampirism comes mm-hmm. with immortality. Like you can't not think about it. Yeah, and I was thinking about it too when they were hooking up because I feel like there's been a lot of discussion over Anne Rice novels over whether the vampires actually have sex with the people that they kill in addition to, you know, sucking their blood. And I was like, with Luke and her, how does that work? What are the logistics? (laughs) But also, she's so into saying, like, he fits perfectly because, Mm. oh, yeah, he's not human. He's, like, smoking a demon. So that's cool. Mm -hmm. Anyway, bye, Henry. Okay, we're going to take a break quick, but we'll have more on Addie LaRue in just a minute. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org/events. So there are a lot of powerful themes about the, in this book. I think we've talked about a couple of them. Um, one that I really loved that I thought was, it was like not too heavy handed, but was there in a really beautiful way is the way that women's women have to like eke out power and, and make sure that they're part of the story, even though they aren't automatically. Um, but I wondered if there are any other themes that, that you found especially resonant. Let's start with you, Liberty. Oh, no. I didn't study for this quiz. <laughs> oh, come on. Um, I don't know. It, what you're saying about women and their power is is great because if you think about it, like, Addie was a woman and she made a deal with the devil to, like, save herself and not be somebody's wife and, like, be basically given away as somebody's wife. Whereas Henry was like, you know, I just want people to be nice to me, you know. And so it's like a difference right there already. Like he's a guy who's like, I need adoration. Whereas she's like, like emo white boy privilege. Please don't make me marry like this old man and, you know, ruin my life. Um, I will say the thing about the devil stuff, too, is that like what it means is that she gets to live forever, but they're on his terms. Yeah. So I guess one one theme would be like, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. That's you know, a great it, it theme, never, Liberty. Nice never work. never works out for people, like, you know, like the way they think it's going to. And in her defense, she didn't technically know that the sun had gone down because her eyes were closed. And she didn't technically know who she was talking to. And probably mm-hmm. in the 1700s in France, not a lot of books being like, don't make deals with the devil because this is what's going to happen. You know, so. Well, yeah. I mean, I she think didn't like- know. Hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Like, I bet yeah. the second deal you make with the devil is a lot smarter than the first one, right? Because then you know. <laughs> yeah, and probably still doesn't work out for you because everyone knows, no. the, you know, the house always wins. <laughs> what do you think, Eva? I was definitely thinking about the whole leaving a mark 
quote unquote, yeah. like with the artworks yeah. that are woven in, the songs. I think that's interesting because you can do that even without being conscious of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like in the way that, you know, people say not to break a writer's heart because you'll end up in their novel kind of thing. <laughs> I think there, even for those people who are not immortal, there is a way that you that you leave your own mark. So I thought that was interesting. I was also kind of curious though about this idea of what you can get away with and how she figured out that it was more useful for her to dress like a man. Mm-hmm. She learned to not be out late at night, etc. And I guess just going into IRL, translating that into modern times, I was like, well, there's a lot of other layers into that go into play in terms of who would be able to get away with these things and like who would have a tougher time dealing with this curse. And I think that's interesting to ponder too. Yeah, for sure. One of my favorite parts of the book was things I never thought about before, like what would happen if someone didn't remember you? Like not being able to hold a job, not being able to stay in a hotel room, you know, waking up the next morning and not having the person next to you. I was like, this is so cool. I never would have thought that. Like the the old lady who rents her the room and she's like, could you give me a receipt? And the Mm -hmm. old lady's all offended and is like, I've run this place for 35 years. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course, like a little while later, they're like, what are you doing in this room? And she's like, oh, you know, I thought that was really cool. But I mean, so we know like all the like drawbacks to living forever and not being remembered, but is there anything that either of you would want to do if you could get away with not being remembered? Ooh, now you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I think part of what I had a hard time with about this book is that I was not convinced that Addie's that her that what Victoria calls Addie's defiant joys added up enough to to make do for the fact that like she couldn't have a home you know and like drink tea out of her favorite teacup and just like curl up on her couch and read a book and look out the window and admire the trees you know like and I think part of that is just testament to the fact that I nest so intensely but I just like (laughs) there was very little about the reality that Addie ended up with that I found appealing at all, actually, which I know kind of changes. Yeah, the I, I agree. Do you? I mean, the, the scene where she was in that dude's place, like drinking his wine and in his fancy robe and duvet, like that seemed great. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> otherwise I don't think it added up. And I also, yeah, I mean, I know it's like this epic tale, so I don't mean to root it too much in reality, but I'm like, for me, like, it depends on how the world sees you. And I don't know if the world would see me the same way where I could get away with some of those things, right, you know? Right. And it's also like, she, you know, she seemed to be in a place, even when she was forgettable, I guess, like you guys said, she did seem to be pretty charming. Like people were into her. They wanted to hang out with her. Like, what if you're not that kind of person for lots of reasons, just your personality mm-hmm. or whatever prejudices you might encounter, like, I just kind of went off on a tangent thinking about those things, too. Right. What if the devil's she... like, nah, I don't want to hang out with you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's terrible. So, Liberty, neither of us actually answered your question, but the way you asked it made me think maybe you have an answer. Oh, yeah. I immediately was like, I would put myself like in the back room of a bookstore, and I would just sit there and read all day, and they'd come in and be like, what are you doing back here? And then I'd be like, go out and get somebody, and then they'd forget I was there. <laughs> and I would just sit and read all day. Well, that feels very on brand for you. Yeah, it's always all about the books. (laughs) All about the books, exclamation point. 
I feel like you would need one with like a cafe, so you could also just be eating and drinking the whole yes. day. Yeah, unlimited then... croissants. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay. Um, to that end as well, just about like whether or not you'd make a deal with the devil. We got a pretty great voicemail from Kali. I really enjoyed reading this book. Well, listening to this book. I constantly found myself going back and forth between what would I do? What kind of deal would I make? I was consistently narrow, narrowing down the words to get the, <laughs> get the curse just right because you just know no matter what you said to Luke, it was going to be a curse. So the, the game is to find the curse that would do the least harm, right? So I just found myself turning over words and how would I do this? Would I want to do this? Why would I want to do this? So books that make me think about words and how they're used and what you wish for and how you would articulate your wishes. It was just, I I loved it. (laughs) I just love that idea so much of like, no, there is a way to make this work to my benefit. I can do it. (laughs) So would you? Would y'all make a deal to live forever? I asked Victoria and she was like, oh, hell yes, absolutely. Eva, would you want to live forever? Yeah, I was surprised by her answer. I would not. I wouldn't. I mean, it's so. But look, she is the narrator is really Addie is a girl after my own heart. She loves art and she loves books. I thought that was the coolest part. She got to see so much of it. That's true. But like we said, the trade off, I just really don't think it was worth it. But I think it's in, that's a really cool way, like Kali was saying, to look at it in terms of words, like the power of words yeah. and how you say things. Even like between her and Henry, I think the way that they say things and the way that they set up their relationship is so different between them and they don't really realize it and they don't end up having time to realize it. Mm-hmm. But I think that's super interesting. And again, at the end, we are thinking about words because it's a book about Addie's life and Addie is saying, I worded this specifically this way. And it's like, will she make that work? Or is she just kind of fooling herself into thinking she has more control than she does? Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me, we got a, um, a note from Liz in Minnesota who said that Addie LaRue, this is easily her favorite book of the year, top five favorite books of all time. But she said I, I, she would not want to be forgotten and that she wouldn't take Addie's deal. What about you, Liberty? Um, I think I would take it. Because think about you want to read all the books, yeah. <laughs> and also remembering that like she's living forever because she chooses to, like she chooses not to give in to him, and right, so that's true. I feel like I'd be true. like, yeah, let's do this for a while, and then when I'm done, I'm done. You know, I I am very impulsive, so I would not make a deal with the devil ever because I'd be like. I will make you a deal for that last bagel. I will make you a deal for that parking space. Like, it would be really bad. Like, I would waste my deal immediately. So I'm glad this is not an option that I have. So Victoria has been very clear that there is not going to be a sequel to this book. She said there could be spinoffs involving the world of the gods because she's super interested in that dynamic. But, like, this is probably all we're going to see of Addie. Um, Eva, are you okay with that? Yeah, I'm okay with that. I feel like we spent, it was a pretty long read. I feel like we spent a good amount of time with Addie, literally and not, because it spans centuries. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I mean, would I want to know what happened? Maybe, but I'm not that inclined to think, oh, it, it needs to take an entirely 
new book, especially if it would be the same length, because I don't know where else you could take it, really. Yeah, that's a good point. What do you think, Liberty? I would like an Estelle spinoff. I would like an Estelle prequel. I would like to know, like, how she learned all the stuff that she knows, how she knows about the, you know, the the gods and the darkness and, you know, what she did when she was this young. This is like the the village witch. Yeah. yeah. The lady that taught Addie about the, the gods and, and making wishes. And I would read that. So just like more witch content is what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. <laughs> so I love to ask our panelists to rate the book on a completely arbitrary rating system based on something within the book. I thought with this one, it might be fun to do um, out of seven freckles. Seven freckles. Being I wish I only had seven freckles. <laughs> um, which also, can I say? Did you guys notice that every chapter opening was the seven stars? Yes. Under the number, yes. it took me like probably ten <laughs> chapters to realize that, and I felt really smart. That's really cool. <laughs> it is super cool. Um. So yeah, out of seven freckles, seven being the best, obviously. Um. What do you think, Liberty? How many would you give it? I would give it six freckles. Six freckles. That's yeah. good. What would have made it have seven for you? Sam. <laughs> Sam. <laughs> a lesbian hookup at the end. That's what you're saying. Can I also say that I would like to know what happened to books, the cat. That is oh. another character that was important to me. Yeah. That's a really good oh, point. Oh, yeah. Maybe I wouldn't want to live forever if like, oh, God, oh, you'd go through so many cats. Oh, yeah. no, 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 no. We can't go there. It's too dark. I changed my too mind. <laughs> <laughs> navigating the importance of cats and books i would make a deal with the devil so that my cat could live forever <laughs> there you go that's your loophole it's perfect um oh. what do you think eva how many would you rate it i guess i would do like four and a half okay question mark <laughs> four and a half to five i mean that's pretty good what do you what do you think it's missing what would have given it more freckles for i you? mean i think it's great to take your mind off of the trash fire of things yeah. going on right now, for sure. Mm-hmm. That was something that, you know, I was definitely sitting on my couch, reading it, just flipping the pages. But I don't know. I guess there were some plot lines that I wanted to know more about and some things that were unclear throughout the book. But I guess it just depends on, I mean, this is always subjective. So it depends on what everyone kind of takes away from it. But mostly I was wondering what was the deal? What was the deal with Luke wanting her? so badly mm-hmm. i was like i don't think the devil likes anyone so i'm surprised yeah. <laughs> you know well the devil loves a strong woman right <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i would give it five freckles out of seven um i thought it was great it's one one thing i really love about it is that i think it's pretty great like entry point fantasy like for somebody who thinks they don't like magic I think this would be a pretty great book to put in their hands because I think you could convince them that they're a little bit wrong about that. Um, but I wasn't totally the epicness of it kind of threw me off like the. And I think I kind of already said this too. like I just the math didn't add up for me that her life was worth fighting for the way she did. And mm-hmm. I don't mean that to criticize her as a person. It was just like the conditions just felt like they would have been very difficult and exhausting and I guess that's testament to how strong she is it just I wasn't totally convinced you know yeah I definitely I definitely hear that like how stubborn would you have to be especially if he was showing up so often being like what about now what about now what about now and yeah every time she was just like no go away like I think that was done well especially 
like when you're having a really terrible day and everything is ruined, you know, like, I don't know. I think that would be I think that would be tough. Um, But to your point, Eva, we got a note from Andy who said that um, she partly loved this book so much because it came out at the perfect time and allowed her to escape by going on these fun experiences and having optimism about the future, but also gave her an avenue to think about her own loneliness and explore the deeper and harder parts of her life, which I thought was like anything that does that, I think, you know, deserves a whole bunch of freckles. Absolutely. I felt the same way. Like I read it at the beginning of April. After, like, you know, being in my house for six weeks and I just lost myself in it. It's like sinking into a warm bath. I just sat down and read it. And it was like the first book I had read since the pandemic started where I Mm. lost everything going on around me. And that definitely helps with your experience when you're reading, like, what's happening in your life. Totally. So Jamie left us a voicemail with kind of a nice final note. So let's listen to that. This is Jamie Hall from Chicago. I... Absolutely loved reading this book. What made it so special was the unbridled and defiant optimism of Addie. No matter what life or Luke hands to her, she moves forward with this optimistic nature. I just think that it's so important right now. And I think that sometimes in this world, as an inherently optimistic person, I think that sometimes people find you naive and find you unworldly or you seem like you haven't experienced as much. And I think that optimism is a choice that we make. And I think that it's a choice to view the world as full of possibilities instead of full of barriers. And even when she is placed into a box, she still finds the the line through that and she still finds a way to make it work for her and she still views the world as a beautiful and joyful place so that's what it meant to me I really loved reading this book especially right now I think that we all could take a little bit of Addie spirit with us Jamie's right I'm just not optimistic enough that's what it is So um, a lot of people, a lot of Nerdette listeners have mentioned finishing this book and feeling at an utter loss about what to read next. Um, I think partly because they love this one so much, but also like, what do you do next? So I'm curious if either of you has a recommendation for like a fun pairing for when people do get through this one, what else should be on their list? Something that has the similar scope, like whatever you think. I would be curious what you think might pair nicely. Should we start with you, Eva? One thing that came up was it was compared to The Time Traveler's Wife. Who wrote that one? Audrey Niffenegger. There it is. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry. Go on, Eva. So, yeah, I haven't read that book in a minute. So I'd be curious if it stands still. Mm -hmm. So I'd be curious to go back and read it. Maybe that would be a good one to pair it with. All right. So it's amazing that you mentioned The Time Traveler's Wife because I have a recommendation It doesn't come out until April, so you're going to hate me for a little bit, and it's going to sting, but you're going to blink, and it's going to be Easter. And this is going to be a huge book next year, and I've compared it to Addie LaRue meets The Time Traveler's Wife. So, are you ready? It's called Meet Me in Another Life, and it's by Catriona Sylvie, and it's about these two people, Thora and Santi, and they meet while they're at college in Germany. They're, like, in their early 20s, and then something happens. There's a tragedy, and one of them dies. But then in the next this chapter... This is feeling spoilery. <laughs> nope, I promise it's not. What happens is in the next chapter, 
one of them is old and one of them is young. And then suddenly, like, there's a chapter where one is the father and one is the daughter. There's a chapter where one is the student and one is the prodigy. One is the doctor and one is the patient. And they keep living these lives. And as it goes along, they start to have, like, little bits of memory being like, I know this person. I've met this person before. I know these things about this person. It's so good. And I promise it is a great follow-up to this. And I know April is a long ways away, but yeah, it's I mean, already the end of November. Liberty, that sounds amazing. <laughs> what if somebody's like, okay, but what do I read tomorrow? Well, then I think you take Eva's advice and read The Time Traveler's <laughs> Wife, because I do think that's a really good comp. Like, don't watch the movie. The movie is junk, but the book is a great comp. <laughs> okay, that's a, that's a nice workaround. I respect that. Um, I think I might recommend if... If especially if people haven't read other Victoria Schwab, I think y'all should try the Darker Shade of Magic series. There are three of them. Uh, there is a queer lady pirate. It's delightful, and I don't. I mean, it's. I think it's one of the best fantasy series I've read in quite some time, and and it's fun to see like early VE, you know, and and why not give her some more attention because I think she's awesome and pirates. And pirates. Yeah, exactly. What more do you need? Well, Eva, Liberty, y'all were goddamn delights. This was so much fun. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. Yes, thank you. This was great. Eva Racinos and Liberty Hardy are such great humans. I am so glad they were able to do that with us. And of course, many thanks to all of you who left voicemails and got in touch about Addie. It was really exciting to see how resonant this book was was for so many of you. And I'm just really grateful that, that you're following along with the book club. I bet you are extremely curious about our December book club pick. We are going to tell you on December 1st and we're going to tell you in our Facebook group, which is called Nerdette Headquarters. And you can find it if you go to facebook.com slash groups slash Nerdette HQ. I am very excited for it. It's going to be a good one. All right. The show is produced by me along with Justin Bull and our intern Isabel Carter. And our executive producer is Brendan Banaszak. Do your homework. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.